Welcome to Thoughts from the Movies. Hi, Justin. Hello, Josh. How are we this evening? Are we great? Are we happy? Um, you know, nobody died this week that we have to mention, so right. that's really so that's, good. That's I feel a like positive. that's a win for everyone. Um, it's really... This show always throws me off because I feel like it's the show that I'm setting up everything last for. Uh, just because of the way the timing of the show works out, like when it is in the week and, you know, as far as like everything that I have to do in my normal life. And then it's the most intimate show because it's just me and you. And this table's super small that we sit across from each other at. And it's just, it's, it's always a really interesting show for me as I absolutely shake the fucking table. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I love the small table. Yeah. I'm so close to you. So, so close. this week, you might have noticed in the thumbnail, there was no um, nobody in the movie poster this week. That's because we're talking about t- TV versus film actors. Okay? And so, what does that mean? Well, let me read you guys a little excerpt that I found online. Uh, the difference between movie and tv actors in most cases film acting is much more detailed and nuanced than television they want less and less is more in film Uh, it may be due to the fact that an actor in the character they're portraying has more time to gradually show their emotional journey in a movie as opposed to a 30 minute or hour long television show interesting that has been a stigma forever in hollywood is that you're, hey, man, you're either TV or you're film. You're, you can't be both. Um, and it's an interesting notion, especially in today's environment where a lot of some of the best characters and best scripts are on TV. Game of Thrones, uh, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, um, trying to list some other ones, uh, Big Little or yeah, uh, Big, Big Little, little Lies, lies yeah. Little objects. Fires Everywhere, yeah, little Sharp fire Objects, um, The Walking Dead. To an extent. I mean, sure. like, there have been a number of shows that have come out recently that um, have kind of, like, changed that stigma pretty significantly that I, I think there is something to be said about making a career as a film actor or a television actor first and then transitioning to film. Um, but I do believe we'll find out tonight that the stigma still pretty much exists from start to finish. Maybe not in the ways that you would think, though. I mean, it's right. certainly different than it used to be in very interesting ways, which we're going to get into here tonight. Yeah. So we're going to look at the success stories. We're going to look at the busts. We're going to have a couple of people to debate about. Um, we're going to look at some of the shows that had talented casts that went on to just dominate the industry. <laughs> um, and then we're going to look at the Disney Channel effect because I think it's a really interesting um, – Thing. And then we're going to also talk about uh, one actor in particular who has gone the opposite way, started his film and went to TV, and um, is one of my favorite actors of all time. So I'm really actually excited to talk about them. Uh, notice I did not use a pronoun, so it keeps you guessing. Uh, that was very sneaky, Josh. Yeah. So <laughs> That was very sneaky. Oh, very sneaky, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're underestimating the sneakiness. <laughs> Mr. Deeds is such an underrated movie. Anyway, that's off topic. You're getting me yes. started. I'll go on. And we're, Mr. Deeds. Um, also, keep in mind, we are 
not necessarily right or wrong about any of them. Uh, this is just kind of how we feel about some of these actors, and we actually disagree and agree on certain ones. Um, also, we left out the cast of SNL, mainly because I ran out of time um, to produce the show. The cast of SNL deserves its own episode in a lot of ways because the iconic films that have been made off the backs of SNL cast members is one of the most – it's like one of the most storied things in Hollywood. Sure. It's a weird thing to say, but it really is. Yeah. Well, Whether because, I mean, there's been so many people over the years, right, and they all usually – in some way, try to make the jump to sure. movies. And some of them have made incredible careers out of them, and some just make, like, Good cult. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, movies that are, like, terrible but awesome because they're right. terrible, and then there are people who just completely failed. So, like, right. SNL is just so right, right, right. broad yeah. in its spectrum that if you could just do a whole series on those actors. Um, but so let's first – let's get to some success stories, okay? Yeah, the good. Let's do the good. The man, the myth, the legend, Steve Carell. Um, Speaking of SNL. Right. But only for a brief period, though. In 99, started on The Daily Show as a correspondent. Um, If you've not gone back and watched Steve Carell as a correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, do yourself a favor. Get in that YouTube rabbit hole. There's an awesome where he's like um, the animal expert on The Daily Show. (laughs) And he like brings out a puppy. And then a goldfish. And then he brings out a puppy with a bow on it because that's a different animal. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's really quite good. I'll be honest. I have not seen those. I am not familiar with his daily show. Or... Yeah, he's he's really good. But he now was... I want to go watch it there. Now you said that. Also, yeah, uh, underrated, um, the Dana Carvey show. Uh, he's on the Dana Carvey show, too, as oh, a recurring boy. character. Oh, really pulling one out of the hat there. Yeah. The Dana Carvey show. Wow. Um, so, 99 is the daily show. And then, I mean, it just – blows up from there right anchorman in 04 all the time he's doing the office 40 year old virgin little miss sunshine evan almighty dan in real life get smart which was a flop but still a big movie despicable me uh that's right he's grew if that you never put two and two together i am grew (laughs) you are little girl yeah um pretty good actually one of my favorite movies of all time underrated movie dinner for schmucks uh, Crazy Stupid Love, Seeking Friend for the End of the World, another underrated awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone, which we talked about. Oh, boy. Let's talk more about that one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk enough about it last week. <laughs> I had to leave it in there. Um, Anchorman 2, Foxcatcher, where he won an Oscar. Um, nominated for an Oscar. Nominated? I'm sorry. Uh, nominated for an Oscar. And then um, his new kind of run of going back to television – uh, the Morning Show, which is an Apple original, Space Force, which is a Netflix original, and then Irresistible, um, NBC? Not sure. Um, so Steve Carell, successful? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And so we, should, we should clarify. So we're debating this week or discussing TV actors who became movie stars, sure. right? Not, yeah. just, not just TV actors who went on to make movies. Right. Everyone's tried to make movies, but yeah. these are people who successfully launched a film career. Yes, after getting their start in television, so it's right. important that we understand the distinction. So these are people who had movie star, a list, successful careers, and I think Steve Carell, in in terms of comedy, he absolutely has done big commercial hits, critically acclaimed movies, 
uh, some of the dramatic stuff he's tried to do has been more on the indie side, like Dan in real life and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which are Little Miss great. Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, very great smaller movies um, that some were nominated for certain things at the Academy. Obviously, Foxcatcher, he was nominated for, which filmed in the Pittsburgh area, actually. But um, and the morning show is, is more dramatic, and Space Force, of course, is uh, reuniting with the creator of The Office for that Netflix Craig comedy. But, but certainly, if you yeah, if you look at the career that he's had, Steve Carell is absolutely, you know, after, of course, being known as Michael Scott on The Office and getting his start there for a few years, absolutely, I, I don't know if there are too many people that really embody the type of success you can have better than Steve Carell did yeah. in yeah. terms of jumping from the TV world to the film world. The one thing I would say, the, the guy who we picked as the most successful to make the jump, and that's, that's arguable, um, is a huge, like, leading man blockbuster guy. Steve Krill, I'd never see as a leading man. I always see him as the best piece of an ensemble cast. Um, and I loved uh, Little Miss Sunshine and uh, Seeking Friend for the End of the World, but I just don't see him as a leading man. Um, but it's just a small knock, if anything. Well, I don't think people understand that St Steve Carell, when it comes to comedy, I think has shown his entire range. I mean, I, I found this out, especially watching Space Force. After you've seen him and everything, he really kind of has the same tics and the same traits. And yeah. he does a lot of the similar things in terms of his voices or his physical comedy and stuff, which is great. But, you know, after 15 years of it, you're like, OK, I I'm kind of I get Steve Carell shtick. But I think people underestimate how talented of a dramatic actor he is mm -hmm. at, at playing straight characters and i mean foxcatcher especially was just a very dark and twisted role i mean it, and i don't you know if, if few people saw it it wasn't a huge commercial success right but uh, that was the wrestling movie with channing tatum and uh, mark ruffalo um about based on a true story about he played john dupont who was uh, the heir to a chemical fortune who ended up killing an olympic wrestler but just very very dark and he had all this prosthetics on and very twisted character so he's more talented than people realize uh he has a better range than people realize as well yeah let's talk about the woman of everyone's dreams oh i hate jennifer aniston what i really do oh my god i shouldn't say that i don't hate jennifer aniston i don't i don't i'm not on the jennifer aniston bandwagon i'm not on her the train there and all it's right. not at all well let's let's go over <laughs> her career real quick uh she's in the leprechaun she's in the leprechaun <laughs> <laughs> um didn't i just had to leave it in there because oh, fantastic best. My, yeah. anytime a mike myers reference can be made um 94 she's um rachel on friends uh, then she's uh, a sub-character on Office Space. Then she gets her first, like, leading lady role in Rockstar, um, aside, uh, starring opposite Mark Wahlberg. Um, that movie's awesome if you haven't seen I it. I just heard about that movie for the it's first time, so like, two weeks good. ago. I forget. who Somebody was telling me about that. I can't remember. But I'm like, what? It's filmed in Pittsburgh? I've never heard of this movie it's at basically, all. Like it's basically the story of Judas Priest. Right, so the Judas uh, Rob Halper was like, "I'm done being a Judas Priest." They're like, "Fine, we'll find a super fan who can sing just as well as you," because you know Judas Priest is like known for having a badass vocalist, and uh, it's basically that story. Mark Wahlberg is the super fan that takes over as the lead singer, and Jennifer Aniston's his longtime girlfriend. It's a great movie. Um, it's just fun, like 
super fun. The music's good in it. I mean, it's worth it's worth yeah. watch. And I love filmed that partly movie. in Pittsburgh. Yep. So. But yeah, I just heard about that. I'll have to check it out. Uh, then she stars uh, aside from Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty in one of her best roles, in my opinion. Um, then again, in Along Came Polly, uh, badass movie too. Ben Stiller. Um, then the breakup with uh, Vince Vaughn. Thank you yep. with Vince Vaughn. A lot of comedies uh, on here. Yeah. Then the saddest movie ever with Marley and Me, um, where she completes the trio of uh, Stiller, Vaughn, and Owen Wilson. <laughs> um, Gets them all in there. Yeah. And then He's Just Not That Into You, which is kind of an ensemble movie, uh, which is also a great one. McConaughey's in that one. Uh, just Go With It. Horrible Bosses, where she's fucking awesome. Um, I did like her in that one, I she's will say. She's so good in like Horrible Bosses. like the psycho, super sexual right. one that's tormenting Charlie Day's character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Then the movie we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, Wonderlust. Mm-hmm. Do you like my erection selection? Uh, <laughs> that clip that got us flagged on Facebook. Um, we are the Millers, uh, which was kind of like the rebirth of her in a later stages of her life as the hot MILF character. Um, and now she's one of the three stars on The Morning Show with Steve Carell. Right. Um, as much as I, yeah. I don't really care for Jennifer Aniston uh, – she has been in a lot of movies that have been successful, and that's yes. the qualifications that we're looking for here. I mean, a lot of these are comedies. The Morning yep. Show is, is a drama, mm-hmm. but um, she's certainly been in a lot of big movies, so I, you can't take that away from her, her as much as I'm not a fan. Uh, just go with it, obviously, with Sandler. Um, right, right. Yeah, one of Sandler's many on-screen yeah. conquests, that bastard. <laughs> He's actually – they're in a Netflix original called Mystery. Oh, Murder Mystery, yeah. Yeah, yeah Murder they're Mystery. They're doing a sequel to that, yeah. You know, uh, Adam Sandler has – we'll get it. I will I will be very excited to do our Adam Sandler I Love You show because you and I both have a deep appreciation for the Sandman, and um, that'll be fun. But yeah. um, Do you think Jennifer Aniston's a good actress? I think that she is the perfect person for a particular role, and then she can surprise you with things like Horrible Bosses. Okay. But she she's she's essentially Rachel Green in Bruce Almighty. Well, not shit. So hang on. So Rachel Green's like stuck up, kind of like bratty girl, right? In Friends, who becomes self made fashion, you know, mogul essentially by the end of the film or the show. I think there's something to be said for playing a leading lady different ways. Okay, so Bruce Almighty, she's kind of like the homely girl, who's um, you know, boyfriend's a reporter, and she's, like, just kind of cute and fun. Um, she's like a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. yeah, and then same with Along Came Polly. But then the breakup, she's kind of, like, a maniacal bitch and, like, is kind of torturing Vince Vaughn through it. Um, and then, like, you look into something, like, closer to, like, We Are the Millers, she's playing an ex-stripper who <laughs> was hiding this from her husband and, like mm-hmm. – she she's not necessarily playing a ditzier role, but it is a bit of a ditzier role in that movie. Um, and then a horrible boss is just being totally outside of what we've ever seen her do. Right. Um, I think she has layers to that character she's cast as. And at the end of the day, I think if you're making a movie like that, there's only, there's one person that's going to be at the top of your board as to who you need to go get to fill that character. And it's Jennifer Aniston. I think you know what you're getting with her for the most part in a lot of ways. Although there's not, there's a film on here that she did uh, a couple years ago called Cake, 
which mm-hmm. was like an almost Academy movie. It was one of those ones that everyone's like, oh, it's the best performance of her career. She's going to get nominated. And then it falls kind of short. But she plays a, a, a woman who's struggling with mental disorders and has a very haunted past and things like that. Um, it's a straight drama. It's a little bit grim. And she was pretty decent in it. I mean, for a woman who doesn't, for an actor who doesn't have a ton of dramatic background, I mean, she, in this one being full on, like very heavy material, she was actually pretty solid in it. And so I I will respect her a little bit, but I I still don't think that we've seen a super huge amount of range from her. So, you know, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is she the most successful of the friends cast in movies? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, I think you can make an argument for all of the other ones that they tried to make this jump and didn't make it. I mean, Courtney Cox came kind of close, you know, like she did Ace Ventura, and she had a couple roles here and there. Courtney Cox's biggest success post-Friends, though, was another TV show in Cougar Town. Oh, right, yeah, she's Cougar Town. So, like, that's... She was in Scream. Like, she... Yeah. Courtney Cox tried to make the jump, and but she, she just never really stuck the landing. And I think, you know, Matthew Perry and Schwimmer... Uh, I mean, all those people have had very successful careers. You're forgetting my my one that would... Lisa Kudrow? Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow's an interesting one because she has been in a ton of movies, but she'll never, ever be a lead in it. She's like the eighth on the call sheet Mm -hmm. of an ensemble Mm -hmm. comedy, and she's funny in that way. You know, like as the principal in Neighbors or whatever, you know, like they, I think, but they've all, uh, you know, you look at Matt LeBlanc, he's had like four other super successful TV shows. Yeah. It's like, uh, not Joey necessarily, but like episodes has been on for a while. And there's another one that's like Hollywood related. So they've all had successful careers for the most part. I think Schwimmer does a lot of voiceover, but as well, far as Sh- movies go, it's Schwimmer really... has done amazing things as a producer. Okay. Like if you go check his IMDB, he has really done amazing things as a producer. Uh, and Matthew Perry, obviously, had the run as basically being Chandler in movies, right? Longest Yard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a terrible movie that my friends all love uh, called Almost Famous. Um, or we Almost Heroes. Oh, my Almost God. Heroes. I was about to jump across the table. With, Almost Famous is amazing. No, no, no. Almost Heroes with Chris Farley. Okay. Um, where they are trying to beat Lewis and Clark across the country. They're explorers. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but so it's awesome. It's so bad. I really want to watch it's it. It's actually Farley's last movie. Oh, uh, okay. So I got to watch it yeah, now. It's, I, I own it on, net, uh, on Amazon. I thought you were going to say on VHS. You're welcome, <laughs> Corey. <laughs> it sounds like... Yeah, I got the tape in the back. No, no, no. Uh, Unfortunately, okay. I own it digitally. All right. All right. Um, got next? So, Jennifer Aniston. The man. Big wheel. The best. Big wheel, the high roller, strolling through with the entourage. Um, First off, can we just point out that this man has been doing this damn thing for well over three decades now? It's fucking awesome. I don't think I love anyone in Hollywood more than I love Will Smith. <laughs> I really don't think I do. And you've loved Will Smith since we were kids. Since Until the day I die. Yeah. Till the day I die. You know what's interesting? I don't know if you know this, but you know they're doing a dramatic reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yes. You told they, me this. Yeah. They, they picked it up off a of pitch for two seasons, which is like unheard of. It's going to be on Peacock, I believe. But so, yeah, it's like this fan made a video of like, imagine if the Fresh Prince was made today in mm-hmm. the, the, you know, mm-hmm. socioeconomic, political times that we live in, Black Lives Matter and all that, sh- all that stuff. And how crazy cool that could be, right? And then Will caught it. And then all of a sudden boom that's actually happening so that's going to be a really interesting show. well and the fresh prince of bel-air was heavy like 
we think about like you know uh, him and Jeff doing or Jazzy Jeff doing like the cool handshakes and the Carlton dancing and like all the pickup lines. Yeah, like all that kind of stuff. But there's some heavy topics in that show. Absolutely, especially as he gets older too, um, where we start talking more about sex and relationships and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It's really, really good show. It's yeah, I a think badass one the, show. One of the best episodes of the show is in, I think, the fourth season where his dad comes back into uh, yeah. the picture. And his dad ends up leaving him again. And he just totally breaks down in Uncle Phil's arms. He's like, how come he doesn't want me, man? Like, yeah. that's that's such an yeah. emotional he- – it's probably the most emotionally heavy moment of the whole series as he just breaks down. I mean, that's – yeah, there are moments on that show that really uh, – yeah, they they're not afraid to shot. It's oh, I got I chills if, thinking about it. I don't know if it's ahead of its time, but like they really touched on a lot of things involving they, race and class and yep. just all these topics that, for some reason, they just worked so well in the show, like around the comedy. You know, it's it was him. Yeah. Well, um, and you know what? That, that whole cast was yeah. fucking badass. Sure. I I stand corrected. Yeah. Um. So he does Fresh Prince of Bel Air for like seven years. Um. In the meantime, he's doing Bad Boys, one of the Best movies ever, uh, <laughs> Independence Day, Men in Black, Wild Wild West, Ali. Then he does his his goes through his sequel run a little bit, Men in Black Two, Bad Boys Two, Hitch, which is one of our all time favorite movies, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, I Am Legend, Seven Pounds, Suicide Squad, and then Aladdin and Bad yeah. Boys for Life. It's so interesting because I don't know if there's an actor who went from TV to the top of the A-list literally faster than like Will Smith had a couple movies before uh, Independence Day Bad Boys obviously being one of them but he did a movie called Six Degrees of Separation which was a small drama that not a lot of people saw um, but he really pretty much just went straight to the top and granted he was someone who had already had success I mean as a rapper as in his late teens and early 20s did you know that he won the very first Grammy for, yep yeah for uh for best rap performance for uh parents just don't understand mm-hmm. so he had a measure of success already and then being on this very uh even back in the day it was very well received and very uh highly rated show so I mean like what it is today it's just kind of carried on Weird uh, it's just there. it's just Sorry. amazing how fast his rise was yeah. as opposed to other people who had to do it gradually and you also look this guy had no dramatic training at all like no he didn't do theater in high school like no he was in music as a rapper as a rapper and then he got a tv show and he his range is fantastic i mean which we've seen throughout his career too but he's just he can do action comedy drama i mean it's he was on you know in the 2010s he was on a kind of a cold streak there for a little while with seven pounds which was a miss and men in black three which was underperforming and focused but you know like he he before aladdin he was kind of on a cold streak but big will is absolutely uh, like steve carell one of just one of the epitomes of success at the highest level yeah at both you know in both formats yeah um so we've covered the success stories some um, of them obviously not all of them but what are some other ones just off the top of your head uh, that made the transition from, uh, like a lot of the older generation of movie stars all started in TV. Right. Like Jim Carrey was on in living color. Uh, you have Robin Williams, obviously was on Mork and Mindy. I mean, Julia Roberts, like, or not Julia Roberts, but a lot, everyone in that generation sort of started on various TV shows. Bruce Willis, like they all were in TV first. And that, we're not going to talk about him here, but Clooney, of course, Clooney, you know, with, uh, ER. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there are tons of examples of that generation that did that. And then it's not as common anymore, which we'll discuss a little bit later why that is. But so those are just some of the success stories that we're highlighting to show how it's done. 
So let's talk about some of the busts. Wah, wah, wah. I think this is this is really a frustrating scenario because we're not going to talk about some of these actors, but actors like John Hamm, Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul um, could be considered busts, despite the fact that they played really deep, amazing characters on television. Right. Um. So. I, I tried to stay away from some of those actors, if that makes any sense. Like, try to stay away from um, the dramatic actors who put in performances on television that are worth a damn, right? Like, you're not going to see any – Kit Harrington. well, I guess still early in his career. but <laughs> So far, um, he's a big bust. Right. Yeah. But, like, we're not going to talk about those kind of actors because I do think there's something to be said for a um, – who's the redhead uh, Olsen? Um Mary Kate Ashley Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen, yeah. um, Elizabeth Olsen, or um, Christina Hendricks, like some of these actors who had amazing characters on television, and then maybe weren't the best success to mm-hmm. um, TV, but then came back and followed up those as good performances again. Um, Elizabeth Olsen in the the Commune uh, Nun one. Um, Martha Marcy May Marlene? No, 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 no. The com- uh, old boy she was in? No, the no, Commune? No. no. Doubt that Elizabeth had nuns in it? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. With nuns? Uh, this isn't who I'm thinking of. Of course. That's why this is... <laughs> of um, course. <laughs> the Commune with the nuns. Peggy Olsen. Peggy Olsen. Is the character's name. Played by Elizabeth Moss. Oh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's oh. Tale. Yeah. So, you know, she's place. Peggy Olsen. How did you get from Elizabeth Olsen? <laughs> because her name's Peggy Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Moss. Her name's Peggy Olsen oh, in Mad Men. Okay. Asshole. Peggy Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen, Elizabeth Moss. There's some kind of six degrees there. <laughs> Listen, I'm still not sure Mark Wahlberg and um, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon aren't the same fucking One person. Yeah, so yeah. um, so let's, let's kind of dive into some of the yeah. busts here. First one, your boy. My boy, and I, I want to get this one out of the way because I do really like Charlie Hunnam as an actor. Sons of Anarchy is my favorite dramatic show of all time to go along with The Office as a favorite comedy. Uh, Sons is the best. And I think Charlie Hunnam is an actor who gets kind of – I think he kind of has a little bit of the Gerard Butler syndrome. Where sure. He is more talented than people think, Yep. but his movies are misses, and that creates the illusion that they are not a movie star. And I think Charlie Hunnam's a little more one-dimensional than Gerard Butler. I see a lot of the same tough characters underpinning all of the roles that he plays. But if you look, uh, he did uh, some indies first, Green Street Hooligans, obviously a cult classic, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. And that got him Sons, where he played Jax Teller for seven years. It was an extremely highly rated show for FX, their highest rated of all time, actually, at the time. And then he does Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, which, Amazing quite, quite frankly, was fucking awesome. And I remember working at the movie theater in uh, Culver City – or not Culver City, Century City that time. And it's, it was funny because when you explain that movie to people, it sounds like <laughs> not interested at all. Robots but, fight monsters. Have like, you yeah, seen so this? Yeah, so there's these giant robots that are fighting monsters, and then people are immediately like, no, I'm not interested in that. But it's actually – it's badass. The really action good. scenes are insane. The visuals are great. Yep. It's got a rocking soundtrack. Guillermo del Toro kills it. But he's – that movie's more effects-driven, not character-driven. And he's, he's fine in it. But then he gets a chance in King Arthur to start a franchise, to headline and lead a franchise, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur. And that movie completely bombs. I mean, it was just – it lost Warner Brothers like $150 million. It was a total miss. I don't think it was 
his fault. I don't think the writing on the movie was very good at all. Like, even Guy Ritchie's direction, he tried, but it just, the writing was terrible and the story sucked. So, after that, Charlie, I think, just people gave up on trying to make him a leading man. He had a very uh, high-profile role in The Gentleman, which is another Guy Ritchie movie, but was more of an ensemble, and he played second fiddle to McConaughey. But, yeah, so Charlie was a guy who had – he was like a John Hammer, whoever, who was a lead role on TV and a very critically acclaimed role in an awesome, highly rated, respected show. Right. They gave him a franchise. It didn't work, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. Uh, Catherine Heigl is f- – acted her way out of hollywood like she's it's weird because she was in she had a run there were from like 2008 to 2012 where she was like the lead in every romantic comedy that yeah. there was 27 dresses and the bounty or not the bounty hunter yeah it was jennifer aniston but uh killers with ashton kutcher like she she had a pretty strong run there but and really her tv background was not just one tv show she was in roswell and gray's anatomy right uh gray's anatomy obviously more drama based than roswell but roswell super successful popular show so like <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> like what she, happened here she had plenty of chances and she was in movies that were successful at yeah. a, on a commercial knocked, level. Up, knocked up anyone? obviously yeah i mean and she her reputation, certain things came out about her that she was very difficult to work with, and she created problems on set by being difficult uh, in terms of demands or personality and things like that, which may or may not be true. You know, it's hard to know if you're not actually on set, if those are sure. baseless facts or what. But she, yeah, she had plenty of movies in like an eight-year stretch there, and then she just fell off because nobody wanted to work with her right. anymore. I don't think it had, it had nothing to do with her acting. It was just more about people didn't want to deal with it. Uh, I see we got six viewers. Uh, thank you all for watching, and uh, feel free to jump in the chat, throw some throw some things at us that we can discuss. Um, then she comes back into Suits, though. I don't, is, back I don't on watch TV. Suits. Does she have a big role in Suits? Or? Not really, but, I mean, it's just another, you know, she's she's back in TV, which yeah. I think was probably a smart move in, in some sense. She did another TV show, I think, uh, not yeah. Madam Secretary, Internal Affairs, is that right? It was a, some political show where she was like the – secretary of something like defense or some kind of yeah but but that was also around the same time in late 2010 so she she did go back into tv because she was having such a hard time you know with it firefly state of affairs state of affairs yeah okay and that was uh i'm trying to see where was she in suits if she was a big character in suits suits at the top there thank you 26 episodes yeah so yeah that's 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 definitely a recurring role for two seasons so yeah i mean Catherine heigl she got kicked out of hollywood and then she kind of slowly worked her way back through tv but you know she just straight up that was a personality issue with people not a talent issue all right let's talk about uh blake lively yeah it's really interesting that you put her in the bust category i did um so gossip girl she's she is gossip like she's one of the stars of gossip girl she yes. drives that show mm-hmm. uh then she's miserable in the town <laughs> and then she's in the green lantern which was not good you're missing a lot of movies here for her on this one buddy age of adeline she was in uh she was in another movie called um oof you know what the funny thing about blake lively is though this again this category is people who jumped into the a list uh and had big successful movie careers blake lively has been in 
a lot of. So these movies. are these are the top four things on her IMDb. No, no, no. I'm gonna, but I want to talk about the movies that are on her IMDb. She okay. was in, so she was in Age of Adeline, which was a romantic comedy yep. that did more business than people think. It was pretty successful, actually. She headlined The Shallows, which was the shark movie where she's stuck on the island and the shark, and that actually was a big hit financially and critically too. It was oh, like Jaws, what? where she was just. I'm tra- now a remembering tra- Austin preaching to me that I need to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, there you it's, go. It's your standard, the king like, of king of horror. Yeah. She's trapped on a little island just offshore, and there's like a great white circling her. But it's it's literally her the entire movie, just her and the shark. You Cast know? So away. Blake Lively has done some decent, respectable film work. Okay. Know? So I don't. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't call her a movie star by any stretch, but I don't know. If, I think she'd be more debatable than she's debatable. Her bust. Yeah. Well, I why think did you why did you say she was a bust? I hated her in the town. <laughs> She was in like three scenes in the town. She was good in that movie as the, uh, as the drugged out prostitute uh, Ben Affleck. Sex. And like not great in the Green Lantern. I don't even remember that yeah. movie existed. Not great. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why <laughs> I, I put okay. her in that. Uh, yeah. Well, if you compare her, you know, the level of her Gossip Girl-ness right. to her film career, it's definitely skewed. So. And in Gossip Girl, she's awesome. Okay. She's so good in Gossip Girl. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then we'll be right back with more uh, thoughts and movies. We're going to talk about people, kind of like Blake Lively, that we think are either, yes, they could be busts, or no, they made it. We'll be right back. We're calling it the Idiot Hour. Hey, Denny Hamlin, new NASCAR fan here. You really got to like, but you got to like blow. He wears the skull of his dead mother. <laughs> and then when he finally copes with the death of his mother, he becomes his mother. He becomes Marowak. Correction, Ovi is the greatest offensive talent we've ever seen. I am E. You dumbass. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, Idiot Hour Monday. Uh, we will be playing Dungeons and Dragons this week, Monday at 8. Um, is the third round of Dungeons and Dragons for us. Uh, we've introduced some new bad guys. Um, and uh, Derek's currently being seduced by a um, figure we're not quite sure about. So, should be good. Uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> all right. The Debatables. Okay. I love all three of these actors we're going to talk about. So, I I sustain from making a decision. Okay. <laughs> okay. First one. Jim. John Krasinski. Boston Zone. Again, why, why are we talking about Boston so much? In this show? Everyone's from Boston. John Krasinski. Okay. Interesting career here. Mm. So John Krasinski started out as an intern on Conan O'Brien's show. And then somehow he went from being Conan's intern to Jim in the office as, you know, iconic a comedy role. Or not even comedy role, but just iconic a TV role as there currently is as part of the half of Pam Beasley. You know, Pam Beasley and Jim for the office. And then... John's acting careers in movies did not put him on the Mm A-list. He was in some lighthearted romantic comedies uh, as usually like just the the nice guy husband or whatever against License to Wed. He was opposite Mandy Moore and The Holiday and Dreamgirls. I mean, Leatherheads. None of these were hugely successful movies or none, especially not for his profile, really. Uh, And then he transitioned to Action Star in 13 hours, beefed up, grew a beard, and was like, get out of my face. I'm a soldier and I'll pop you, you know? And then of course he's Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, but I wouldn't put him on the A-list. I wouldn't call him a movie star uh, at all. All, But it's interesting because 
he's sort of now an A-list director almost after A Quiet Place. He's insanely in demand or was, you know, and now he's got A Quiet Place 2 coming out, which was supposed to come out this month and has since been delayed, but likely going to be another big hit. So he's weird in that he had a super successful TV career, didn't make it in the movies as an actor, but is kind of becoming an A-list director, which I don't, it's a very bizarre path. Affleckian-esque. Yeah, but Ben Affleck is still a movie star, like still an sure. A-list movie star and, sure. a, and an A-list director. Yeah. But yeah, so it's certainly in that realm. I think here's the deal is that The Office, when it was on TV, was it was the most successful show on NBC had? Yes. But The Office now is arguably the biggest show out there. Whether it's on you know concurrent cable or not, mm-hmm. it is being resyndicated on Netflix and has this brand new life to it. And I think we will see John Krasinski's career grow from here, paired with the Quiet Place's success and the rebirth of The Office. I think we will see big things from him in the future. If you don't want to call him, you know, a success story yet, I bet in like. If we're still doing this show in 10 years, we'll be like, John Krasinski's fucking amazing. Like, he's just great. Yeah. Um, As an actor, though, I mean, because people know John Krasinski. He's been on the radar for 15 years. It's not like people are like, who's John Krasinski? You know, it, not in, like, Hollywood, at least. You know, I, maybe, like, the casual fan who's heard about The Office forever and is finally watching it. But, I mean, people know him. I, I just think that as he gets older and the generation, the generations that like him – get more and more money they're going to support him more and more and more and we're going to see more success from him um and also like jarheads is really good even though he's like a supporting role in that leatherheads is pretty good dream girls obviously was one of the he was a total side character in that um and tom clancy's jack ryan is doing splendidly for amazon so give it some time tv show yep uh give it some time for john krasinski my wife and I do yeah, actually my mean sister. my wife, Aubrey Plaza. Um, <laughs> we love you, Anna. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, I don't think is debatable. I think she should not be in this category. Excuse me? I she a movie star? Yes. Every movie on here made no money at all. Like, she's good in them. And I, Aubrey Plaza is too one-dimensional. She's just too April Ludgate-y in all of her stuff. Uh, Janet Sinkle, uh, probably one of the greatest characters ever written. <laughs> um. So it's pretty wild. She was in Mystery Team, which I don't remember her in Mystery Team, but I remember loving that movie. Um, Then she's obviously April Lubgate uh, through Parks and Rec. Um, Then she's in Funny People as a side character. She's (laughs) the girl with a thousand jobs in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, Then she kind of gets one of her first leading roles in Safety Not Guaranteed, which Mm -hmm. is an awesome little comedy. Also has Nick from New Girl in it. The Duplass Brothers, yeah. Fantastic indie. Uh, The To-Do List, which was pretty weird. Um, Life After Beth, another kind of weird movie. Dirty Grandpa, which was uh, Zac Efron. Um, That was pretty successful um, as far as, like, stirred up. I don't know how good of a movie it was. It was kind of a weird movie. But um, The Little Hours – have you seen The Little Hours? I have seen The Little Hours, yeah, based on an Italian play called The Cameron, and it's it's got a great ensemble cast, Dave Franco and Nick Offerman. It's a total comedy spoof of, like, the 1800 Italy. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's funny, but no one saw it. Aubrey Plaza plays a horny nun uh, <laughs> alongside yeah. um, 
Alison Brie. Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot Alison You don't have Mike and Dave need wedding dates on here. She no. and Anna Kendrick headlined that against Adam Devine and uh, Zac Efron. That was pretty bad. Yeah. But she, like, again, these none of these, even Ingrid Goes West and Child's Play was a flop. Like, none of these movies are have were successful at all. And even her acting in them is okay. But, I mean, movie star? No. No way. I've seen – all right. So, I've seen more of these than I've not seen because she's in them. Does that change your opinion at all? No, because we're not doing this Josh love this these <laughs> actors. <laughs> well, I told you off the drop that I loved all three yeah. of these actors. So uh, if you. that was the case, then sure, throw it in there. But no, these yeah. are TV actors, successful TV actors who made the jump to movie star status. And okay. I don't think Aubrey Plaza is right. even close to that realm. How about this one? Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell we talked about uh, via text before the show. And this was another interesting one because – so Veronica Mars, obviously, very popular cult show, which is – I think they did another iteration of that show yep. and a movie. Like, I can't keep track of how many times there they resuscitated. There was a movie, there was an iteration, and then they basically rebooted the whole show as iZombie. Okay. Yeah, that show just will – seems to stick around forever. Right. Um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, great movie, and she was uh, the lead in that yep. with uh, Jason Segel and Russell Brand. Uh, get him to the Greek, she had a small role in. I mean, what other than that, though, like Bad Moms – Late, like 10 years later, right. she was part of an ensemble in, in Frozen. She was the voice. Uh, and then she, of course, went back to The Good Place. So bookended by two very successful TV shows is a weird film career where, honestly, like her biggest role is probably as the voice in Frozen and forgetting yeah. Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. She, she's in a bunch of stuff, but not – man, I, I, I think she's in the right category. as debatable. I wouldn't probably put her as a movie star. I think she's just a, a great – TV actress who has been in a good amount of movies and some of them are good. Some of them are not, but there's no like prestige around Kristen Bell. There's, I feel like she has the same look and everything. Like she's not very different. Her characters aren't very different. You know, I think, um, she's kind of like Jennifer Aniston in the sense that like when you need that role, Kristen Bell's the only one that can fill it. Agreed. And for a long time, I was impervious to the Kristen Bell charm. I didn't get it. I didn't think she was like, super beautiful i didn't think she was super funny i didn't i did not get what she brought and then i watched the good place holy shit is she awesome <laughs> in the good place um eleanor shellstrop in the good place is probably one of my favorite tv characters out wow. there wow. um okay because it does show depth and range in a character and anytime i see a character grow in a television show i'm always on board for it i could write you right now a thesis on why Dwight Schrute is the greatest character ever written. <laughs> um, but the would it ar- be titled Bears, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> it would be Bears, it would have to be. Bears <laughs> Small Beats, and The Change of Dwight Schrute. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, it's Eleanor Shellstrop's through a very short run for a TV show, only four seasons. Um, it's just – it's one of my favorites. And, it, you know, it. it's not um, – it's not a coincidence that all three of the actors we're talking about in the debatables are from Michael Schur, Greg Daniels projects um, in uh, Aubrey even, Plaza and John yeah. Krasinski. Because um, I think Michael Schur makes the best TV, period. I mean, for TV comedies, I don't know if you could debate that at all. Um, his run has been incredible. TV comedies that have some sensitive, you know, warm, fuzzy parts. Yeah, great characters that you really grow to love. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Kristen Bell, maybe not. Uh, the super success story more so than Aubrey Plaza and 
probably right now more though more so than Krasinski we could say uh yeah I mean they're just different realms you know he went on to directing and she's in you know Frozen Frozen 2 and some other things but yeah she's it's interesting too her and Dax Shepard are married right yes. Dax Shepard's another guy that's kind of like on her level as far as actor like he's been in a ton of stuff hit and none run they're them, in together none of them super successful but some of them like decent work you know without a paddle or funny but like Chips was a huge bomb so they're they're both like together they kind of make an A-list couple but they're not really either of them a-list well but now now they're interesting as a couple they're a power couple because dax now has his um whole podcast right right. that's super successful armchair quarterback or something like that and she has become america's sweetheart through her instagram and talking very openly about their relationships and Mm -hmm. their children and all that kind of stuff so as far as movie star maybe no but the two of them are definitely a power couple in hollywood uh there may not be a rod and j-lo but they're definitely have some power and some sway yeah uh maybe unorthodox yes list i guess is probably a good one to go with so um all right very talented i'm excited for this category okay yes all right so um we didn't put friends on here friends belongs on here we didn't put mad men on here mad men belongs on here um but the three or the two shows that we did tackle, I think, are interesting for a number of reasons. And we're going to start with that 70s show. That 70s show, which is still as popular, I feel, today as it was yes. back then. Yes. You know what's interesting is always if you look at like where you're at in time, if that 70s show aired then, like the, the time difference. Because I think it started airing in 98 and it was set in the 70s, right? So if mm-hmm. that 70s show, if the equivalent started airing today, it would be set in like 1999 or something crazy like that. Like it's always just blows my mind. Yeah. Because at the time it seemed like it was so far in the past, but then you're like, when you get older, you're like, it's not really that far. But so the, on, the main cast here we have. Yeah. On screen, I have listed the IMDB top projects for these top four or three projects sure. for these guys and none of them need really much of an introduction no but i would like to point out one thing okay on imdb grace kutcher and prepon 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 um all still have that 70s show listed as one of their top four projects mila does not sure it's so right. just kind of interesting right. to put in there um so Topher grace the lead um eric uh what is it smart ass or dumbass dumbass yeah. um foreman in good company uh win a date with tad hamilton neither of those really do anything and then he's um the bad guy in spider-man 3 right <laughs> topher grace so we're we're taking the cast in this category and we're going to break up who made it and who didn't because yeah. they're they're very split in these shows you know they're not just all of them did or all of them didn't. Right. Topher Grace would be put in the bust category. Right. They tried to make him a movie star, but he was too formany. He was just always yeah. that smart alecky. Like Spider-Man 3 was probably his most high-profile attempt at you know, a villain in a franchise. And he's done movies over the years in smaller roles or you know, trying to make comebacks and certain things. But yeah, Topher Grace would be a bust. Yeah. Um, Ashton Kutcher. What you know, everyone knows Ashton, what he's been in. I mean, not not only like punked and stuff, but all the romantic comedies, and and you know, he did Jobs, which was kind of a miss, but Butterfly Effect, he's done you know dramas as well. So he's had a very long, wide ranging career. He's not someone that you would cast in your movie in the hopes that it would bring out an audience necessarily. But he's been in a lot of big movies and had not anymore, but no through yeah. the two thousands, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean now he's more in the, like investing and everything. Right. But he, yeah, his his career he's certainly transitioned over well. And also, what I love about Ashton Kutcher is that he never got away from TV. He did Punked. He did Two and a Half Men. He did The Ranch. I mean, he's always had his toe in both worlds. Yeah. And that I really appreciate about. I Ashton forgot Kutcher. he did Two and a Half Men. Yeah. yeah. Long haired Ashton took over yep. for Chuck Sheen. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, Laura Pepon yes. would be. Um, I don't feel like she really tried to make nope. the jump. She, I think, hang on, let me pull up exactly. I was stunned at how few movies she did. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, her biggest hit after that 70s show was Orange is the New Black. Which she's amazing in. Yeah, I mean, she's one of the leads in that show. And obviously the success that they've had. But yeah, I don't, like, Laura Prepon's film career, there's not 29 really... credits as an actor. Okay. That's not a lot. Yeah, I mean she's done in a she's and a done lot a few of TV supporting movies. roles here. It's all this yeah. is all TV series. So she kind of just remained a TV actress, which is I respect. I have a, a hot take. Uh oh. I think that we will see more from her moving forward. I think that's going to be difficult. Really? Because and I don't mean this disrespectfully she's in any way. Old. She's older, and it's just a well-known uh, axiom that once you get over forty in Hollywood, the roles just start drying up. So you don't well, – uh, maybe she's not a strong enough actor, and this is this is total – this is not what I want to say as far as context goes, but like the Meryl Streep-type roles. Right. Like where it is the older kind of like – She's not that old. Meryl's like 30 years old. No, but <laughs> like there is there is that – like what Kathy Bates used to dominate, right? That like sure. mom role or like older, like sassy person. You know, yeah. It's just those roles aren't very popular, you know? Right. And I remember when Lincoln came out in 2012, Spielberg's movie, and Sally Field at the time was in her 60s, and she was just saying how hard she fought for the role of Mary Todd Lincoln and that just because there were never any roles that she felt were good enough for, you know, to, to really chase or to dive into. It's just you get to a certain point, and now, now you're starting to see it expand a little bit, and you have – uh, like the Jennifer Garners and the the Charlizes are turning to action, which is an interesting pivot in their 40s and later stages of their career, which has been successful to some degree. But yeah, I mean, once you get into middle-agedom as a female, it's just the unfortunate reality of Hollywood as is that a lot of parts, just the, the number of parts written for that demographic drop off drastically. So I don't think it has anything to do with Laura Prepon as an actor. I think she's a very talented actor based on what we've seen, but the opportunities and the competition, I just... From here on out, I feel like it'd be, you know, tougher. I would really like to see her again in another leading role because she was awesome as Alex. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would just like to see more from her. So right now, Topher's a bust. Kutcher was a success. Absolutely. Prepon was like an N.A. She yeah. Never, she didn't attempt it. Really, yeah. So, okay. And then let's talk about the biggest success from the show. Obviously. The last person yeah. cast on the show lied about her age to get on the show. Yep. And fucking flipped it into a superstar career. Fantastic. Yeah, and she she really – I would – I mean, Mila Kunis absolutely is A-list, not only for her dramatic roles and her comedy roles, but just her consistency with all of the big movies that she's done in the last, you know, 20 years, whether it's action, whether it's ballet, whether it's comedy. I mean, yeah, Mila Kunis is, you know, Mila Kunis. She's an A-lister for sure. And she's Meg. Yeah, I always I always forget that, you know, because <laughs> Meg guys has like 300 episodes. Yeah, you forget that she's in just about all she, those two. She's Outside of all those. her movies, she's still doing, still doing that. So well, and she says, um, I forgot. She was I was watching her in an interview or something, and they're like, "What do you What do you get most? Like, hey, girl from Black Swan. Hey, girl, you know, blah blah blah. Uh, hey, that's how she goes. No, people just walk up to me and they go, "Shut up, Meg." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, okay, we don't, you don't have them on the screen, but we have to mention real quick, Wilder Valderrama and uh, Danny. Yeah. Oh, shit. I just forgot Danny's last name. <laughs> the one from the right. Masterson. Yeah, Danny yeah. Masterson. Jesus. So neither of them made it to film. No. I think, I mean, Wilder Valderrama made the rest of his career about being very handsome. Uh, he's been in, what's it? He's in a TV show. Like, um, he's just pretty much handsome, not suits or not, uh, white collar, but I think he was in another semi-respectable network TV show. And then Danny Masterson, uh, he had some minor roles in films and he did the ranch and everything, but more, I mean, he's dealing with like sexual assault issues and stuff, but the point is that neither of them made it to NCIS. Yeah. He's been in hundred episodes of NCIS. But uh, yeah, either of them made the jump to – I don't really think either of them had the opportunities to really do it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, and they weren't – Hyde as a character wasn't real deep. He was just the big stoner, loser guy. And um, Fez. Fez was just, you know, the goofy comedy relief. And I really, said good day. And actually, <laughs> if we wanted to – hang on. What? As far as, like, people that actually made it from that 70s show – Yeah. Uh, the cast, we need to talk about the fucking parents. Oh, uh, Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp? Yes. Why do we need Both had awesome careers after this. I don't think that's true at all. Yeah. I saw Deborah Jo Rupp in like one movie and I laughed because she did that. Ha, 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 ha. You know? And I was like, oh, that's a nice callback. Um, who are you? Who are we at right now? Okay. Hang this on. Is Kurt, Kurtwood this, Smith. Yeah. So I'm this trying is to the, think. This is Red Foreman. Yes. Okay. Maybe he didn't do anything. He's done a lot of TV. Agent Carter, yeah, Resurrection, yeah. I mean, he's there's I mean, certainly that's, there's nothing something I ever saw there. Him in, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Deborah Jo Rupp is yep. uh, Mrs. Foreman. Oh yeah, she was the mom, and she's out of my league, and mm-hmm. which was filmed in Pittsburgh. Um, and the ranch again. Everybody's in. They're all in the ranch. All the that seventy show characters are in the Netflix show. And then uh, she's very famously Lisa Kudrow's sister-in-law in Friends. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. just uh, it's it's a weird little like. Yeah. Stupid thing, but um, all right. So of the that seventy show cast, you have Ashton and Mila. Yes. Oddly enough, the couple, right, both jumped to the A list successfully. Yes. Topher did not. Laura never really tried, and Fez and Danny also Bust. just stayed in. TV. Yeah, it didn't do anything. Yeah. Okay. So that's an interesting breakdown mm-hmm. for that one. But then we go to the breeding ground of stardom oh my god judd apatow's wet dream that was freaks and geeks oh my goodness i love this show and i and so like here's the best part is i picked the top four martin Starr (laughs) is in freaks and geeks right shia labeouf's in freaks and geeks i mean there's a number of maybe for like one in freaks and geeks yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, Freaks and Geeks is really surprising. I mean, I think it's pretty well known. Everyone knows these guys. We don't need to go into Franco and Seth and Jason. And I think Linda Cardellini is probably one that's a little overlooked. I mean, mm-hmm. not only did she have a great role as Velma and Scooby-Doo, but uh, she has been in – she was in The Curse of La Llorona. She's in Brokeback and Avengers. And she's done a lot of movies, actually, that people don't realize. So I think that I – I don't know if I'd call her A-list, but certainly has had a successful movie career. I always had a crush on Liz, though. So – it's yeah. Uh, yeah yeah oh she's a babe for sure um franco obviously just yep wow uh yeah. and then seagull like i don't know man like that's he he became that guy right if you need like if uh will arnett was busy and you needed scruffy <laughs> loser he's yeah he's jason seagull it is um and then obviously seth rogan has 
out of everybody we've talked about, the only person on Will Smith's level is Seth Rogen. I think it's interesting that you say that maybe not on Will Smith's level necessarily, but in terms of meteoric rise to the top from a TV show, How Seth is he Rogen, not on Will Smith's level? Because he his movies make a great amount of money for how much they're made for, but he is not a worldwide phenomenon box office draw that Will Smith is. Will Smith is the top of the A-list. Like, he's representative of what movie stars are. Seth Rogen is probably one of the highest demand people in Hollywood right now. He's incredibly successful. People love his movies. They all make a lot of money. But th- we're not talking, like, you know blockbuster movies we're talking about comedies that are made for like 20 million and make 100 million which is very respectable and are very well reviewed as well but you know he's not in the giant this is the end wasn't a blockbuster no this is the end was very successful movie Uh, all of his most of their movies because they make them for so cheap are very successful i don't understand what your definition of a blockbuster is if this is this is the end is not a blockbuster well it's the old definition used to be $100 million domestically. Okay. Jaws was like the first movie to really you know, put Perfect. that threshold out there. And so this is the end. Yes, like Seth Rogen's movies will make $100 million domestically or a little over, right? Um, so they are big financial hits. But Blockbuster, I would say, is mm. hundreds of millions these days. Like you're talking – not necessarily like a billion dollars Avengers, but like big movies, right? And his movies are just not – gigantic movies arguably the only one that they tried the green hornet was their only real misfire so uh rada grob uh 67 who was more talented range wise will smith or seth rogan that's a really interesting question it is a very I think, interesting I think question both of them are underrated in terms Absolutely. of the range that they have people don't understand that seth rogan's done a lot of dramatic work and he's been very strong in uh, he played Steve Wozniak in Jobs Incredible. against Michael Fassbender. Incredible Fantastic. as was. He was in a movie called Take This Waltz with Michelle Williams. I mean, Seth Rogen has done more dramatic work than people realize. Well, and even in Knocked Up or Zack and Miri, he's – because his character has range, you love him. Yes. You, you fall in love with that character every time because he is able to show you, like, oh, I'm sad now. And, hey, wait, no, I'm back up. And, like – I really love Seth Rogen. I also love that Seth Rogen makes movies with his friends, okay, mm-hmm. and greenlight stuff that normal people wouldn't greenlight, right? Sure. Like that weird pickle movie. Yeah, American not pickle. a great movie, <laughs> but I appreciate. Why well, was on HBO Max? I appreciate that he made it. Yeah. And I appreciate that he did it in Pittsburgh, and I appreciate the fact that he was like, "Fuck it, I'm Seth Rogen. Yeah. I'm gonna make this pickle movie. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Who cares?" That's because like, he's a brand, and people will show up for the yeah. brand. Like I said, they make them for cheap, and they have a very reliant audience that are gonna make money off their movies. He's very similar to a new Kevin Smith. To me oh, he's so far beyond Kevin Smith. Well, but what Kevin Smith maybe did – Kevin Smith walked so that Seth Rogen could run. I, uh, I could see where you would connect the dots there. Okay. To answer Raw Dog's question, I would say that Will Smith is probably more talented because he has the action arsenal along with drama and comedy. And I think Seth Rogen has comedy Seth and drama. Rogen, though, in a fucking action movie. He tried. So they good. tried. The Green Hornet. And no, just, but, yeah, like, that's really... the that's a comic book movie. That's bullshit. Don't do that. <laughs> do Seth Rogen in, like, something where he's not in a co- – like, not a superhero co- – you know what I mean? Like, 
Observe and report the mall cop. <laughs> or like Die Hard. Oh like Seth God. Rogen and Die Hard. He's like, <laughs> oh no, we're in the fucking elevator. It's falling, yeah. man. Whoa. Like, I feel like there are movies that we're forgetting of his that he did those roles. Like The Interview, he wasn't really an action no. but He really, uh, he's, he's kind of stuck to his kind of world and is now just in older age starting to explore some new things. Um, let me pull this up real quick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let me see if there's anything. He's not uh, the boys. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a point, Gray, by the way, as a producer, have had major yes. success with the My, boys and with Preacher uh, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, you're on the right one. Actor. Uh, oh, the Lion King. Shot, you know, that was more dra- my, you know, dramedy. I guess disaster, disaster artist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's comedies for the most part, but still, like you said, you know what's interesting? You said that his comedies, because of his, you know, charm and heart and relatability and things like that, people like them for more than just the which the is humor. what will smith made his career on originally sure yeah people connect with it more and i i don't know if we've talked about this on the show before but i always like to to mention this when it comes to mind judd apatow obviously seth's mentor and they have a very close relationship and i remember watching an interview where seth rogan was talking about their creative process and how they write movies and what they're thinking about when they're creating their plots and their characters and things like that i think this was an interview with sam jones um, but he said that what they do with their movies is essentially is they write dramas. They yeah. don't write comedies. They write dramatic stories and on the page, it's a drama in just the way that they, uh, act it out and the way it comes off the page naturally makes it funny, but they're not trying to be funny. They're not trying to do comedy or be slapstick or like, you know, all these wisecracking stuff. They actually write dramatic roles. And then because of the nature of the people and, and how it's written, it comes across as funny, even though it's not meant to be that way necessarily. So they write comedies as dramas and it comes off the page and becomes a comedy in the sort of delivery. Does that make sense? And, but I've always just found that interesting because it's like people only know them for comedies. It's like, they just don't go and write a really funny movie. Like they write it hitting the beats and plot points that you would of a drama mm-hmm. with arcs and development and yeah. things that, and it becomes comedy in the way that it comes off the page. Well, and I think that's why in most Judd Apatow and, and literally this list of people being them, mm-hmm. um, why in Judd Apatow you see him use the same people again and again is because he is looking for a very specific type of actor who has those type of chops that can deliver – uh, a funny role with some heart and um yeah, yeah. And the story their stories have lessons in them or they have good sure. morals and good values and you actually know, they- i think one of apatow's best and he's only the producer on this but it hey his fingers are all over it is love it's the television show on netflix with uh jillian jacobs and the yeah kid paul russell wrote I think it. Is, yeah. yeah yeah um that is an underrated show. It's a yeah. badass show. In the, and, it's uh, sort of in like really the good. you know the master of none or uh, right. Uh, what's the one that I just watched? That's uh, like sort of Davy. You know, yeah. like where it's just a well, kind of offbeat couple. Dave. He's obviously there's no rapping in love. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. Is the best written show in the past ten years. I don't know about that one. That's a very big leap to take. It is. As far as storylines and the depth of it and the – like the entire sh- – the episode about Gator and his um, 